We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Tuesday, October. I almost said December. I am not ready for that by any stretch yet. 17th, two thousand. And 23, welcome everybody to the Pack a Day podcast. We got the full crew here. It feels like it's been a while since we've had all of us together. I am your host. I'm Jacob Westendorf, joined by Jacob Morley and Trey Watson. We'll get to Twitter handles, X handles, whatever, and all that good stuff here in just a little bit. But what I want to start with, it was homecoming this past weekend for the Maryland Terrapins. And Trey Watson is wearing an Illinois Fighting Illini shirt as we speak. So, Trey... Did you just allow whoever won the game to get your identity and your allegiance, or, or how does that work? <laughs> no, nah, uh, to be honest, it, it was pretty random that I just grabbed this shirt walking downstairs uh, or as I was going to walk downstairs. I guess it's kind of like my self-punishment for, for Illinois winning. So, you know, just take it with a grain of salt. And, uh, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm still on the line, but uh, I was I'm not going to lie. I was, I was rooting for Maryland and was sorely disappointed. Um, for them to give that game up the way they did, it was not a fun Saturday as far as the scoreboard. Yeah, you're a former athlete, well, current athlete, but former college athlete, I should say. Uh, so I'm, I'm wondering, Maryland had a big game against Ohio State two weeks ago. Uh, had a chance where in I know it sounds stupid to like somebody who didn't watch the game because they ended up losing by 20, but it felt like they had a chance to win that game for about three quarters. Is there a way that a team can have a, a hangover effect? Like, you know, they lost the Ohio State. They lost to Ohio State twice, essentially. By yeah, Louisville. that's that's literally word for word what I said on our on our Terps talk show uh, last night. Uh, they let Ohio State beat them twice. Um, normally, you know, the hangover is like after a big win and then you have the letdown. Um, but it certainly felt like the the defeat against Ohio State – I don't know if maybe they thought, okay, well, we did play a little bit, you know, better than most people thought we were going to. So now we have an easy team. We'll just we'll just beat them, and it's going to be easy. Uh, I don't know exactly what it was. the The numbers weren't necessarily that they played an awful game, like outgained them in passing, barely behind them in rushing. Turnover margin was equal. Um, 
but it just it was just an uninspiring performance all around and it, it definitely felt like they they got beat twice by by Ohio State unfortunately uh you know don't want to don't want to give any disrespect to Illinois but that was a struggling football team who wasn't doing anything well at all um and it, it definitely put a dampener on what had so far been a, an impressive Maryland season real quick three were at 10 words or less Ohio State Penn State this weekend who wins I got Penn State um I think Drew Aller goes nuts I don't think McCord does and blanket Marvin Harrison and you win <laughs> you know what I mean that's that's really you mean, you mean you don't cover the best player in the country one-on-one yeah like Maryland decides yeah. To for just, just do do everything that Maryland or do the opposite of everything Maryland did in the third and fourth quarter and you probably win pretty easily uh, given how Penn State has looked so far, they've looked good. They yeah, look I, good. I, I've, I've thought for a couple of weeks that that's the, uh, there's the big three in the Big Ten, if you will, and I think Penn State is a smidge better than Ohio State at this point. But mm-hmm. you guys, I'm not going to pretend I'm friends with Trey and that we talk like every single day all the time or whatever, but I will tell you I've never seen a man more angry <laughs> than in the group <laughs> chat when Marvin Harrison is one-on-one coverage at any point during Maryland's uh, game against them a couple of weeks ago. It's It's incredible. I don't understand how – Especially in college, like in college, I know Ohio State's got a boatload of receivers and everything like that all the time. But like, let Fleming and Egbuka and all those guys beat you, and Stover and all them other guys. But yeah, roll coverage to eighteen. He, this guy is going to be the first non-quarterback picked in the draft this year. Uh, team that could be in the quarterback market. Oh, spicy Green Bay Packers. Uh, we've got a long way to go before we get to anything like that, and that is not what this episode is going to be about. But we are fixing the Green Bay Packers. And I want to start with Jordan Love's biggest fan. He has a giant poster behind him with a big red heart around it. If you think of it as like a Taylor Swift poster, but with Jordan Love in it instead, that is Jacob Morley. Jacob, tell me, again, it's five games. Nobody's writing the obituary on anything or anything like that, but is your confidence shaken at all? Oh, yeah. Straight to it. It's, I mean, do I, okay, do I still believe in Jordan Love? Like, hell yeah, of course. Like, you see the talent, it's there, but, you know, all the stuff that comes with it needs to be better. He needs to be more consistent. And what's scary, I think, is like, you saw the talent at Utah State too. And even in the bad year, you're like, ooh, there it is. There he is, you know, but, the fact that he is not um, making the layups, I guess you could say, um, is is concerning. It is concerning. And he does need to play better. You see the playmaking ability. You see the big plays he can make. But, man, hit the crosser. <laughs> hit the crosser, man. You know, like that's – hit your free throws. Like whatever sports analogy you want to use, you can do it. I'll say this, though. It is five games into his season, and guys get better as they play more. And I think what's interesting about it is, and and I guess what's more frustrating to me as this season progresses is I never really understood the plan on offense. And a lot of my worst, worst fears for the offense are really kind of coming to fruition. I love the talent at the pass catching group. Um, I think they've got guys in there that are going to be really, really good players, but going into, and here's, and so like 
you develop Jordan Love for three years. You have him on your bench. You are ready to roll with him. And honestly, your your job is kind of attached to him. So how is how is the plan going in with a bunch of 24-year-old and younger receivers? Like you have like I don't I don't really get what they want him to do at times. Because at times it is rough. Like I think getting Christian back is going to be huge. And I think Christian is still kind of getting reacclimated to the offense. Your sec your second best option at receiver is Shrug? I don't know. Like, I like Romeo Dobbs. I like Jaden Reed. I like Luke Musgraves. I like Don Travion Wicks. But when it's third and seven and your primary read isn't there, you you got to do a lot of work. You got to do a lot of work to find the open guy. And, I you know, say what you want. You want to know who's going to be open. Like if I if I'm a quarterback, even in the NFL, like I want to be looking at my guy I know is going to be getting open nine times out of ten. Like that guy just isn't on the team right now. Currently, he could be there. He could be there by week eight, right? I think Christian's that guy. But losing him the first four weeks of the season was brutal. It was brutal to Jordan's development. It was brutal to this offense's development uh, because truthfully, now since Christian's been back, it's looked a little bit more disjointed. Because I think now all of that reacclimation process is is coming in with the offense of like, okay, we've got the guy we hope is our one out there. So now what? What about the rest of the guys? How do they fit in? How do they find this new role? And it's not really an excuse. It's it's just they're all young, right? And like, I don't know who you look to to be like, hey. How do we get through this? Take us through this process. You've been here before. They don't have that guy they can look at and be like, hey, I've been here before. I can kind of show us how to navigate this. And that falls on coaching to an extent. But that's where it all comes back to, like, what was the plan here? Like, how did they not foresee this coming at all? Where, And I don't know what the plan would have been. Like, I, I will fully admit that. I don't know. I can't just be like, well, why didn't they just do this? I don't know. And I think the plan was just like, these are the growing pains. And and that's just kind of where we're at. And we've talked about this in theory all offseason. Like, there's going to be ups and downs with this with this offense. But now that we're in the downs of it, we got to see some ups. And how is that going to happen? Um, we're fixing to find out. You know, I think we're going to learn a ton about this team as they go down the road. And, and that's kind of what this year is all about anyways is – Hey, let's find me the guys that you want to build around moving forward. And you hope that Jordan is one of them, but it might not be. And that's kind of where I'm at with him right now. It's like, I hope it is, and I think it can be, but it might not be. And I think that's realistic to admit that. I think it's also realistic to still be excited about him too. Like that's just kind of where we're at. Um, But, you know, in three weeks from now, guys, when he's thrown 12 touchdowns in a, in a three-week span and, you know, Christian's back on his stuff where he's catching three touchdowns a game, we're going to be looking back at this and I'm just going to say, hey, just forget I said anything negative ever because they're back. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're fixing the team today, right? Like, we're going to talk about offensively, this is, what, this is what they need to do moving forward. I don't think we're really – do we need to talk about the defense? The defense has actually been decent, right? I mean, all things considered, I know everyone wants Joe Barry's head on a stake, but 
all things considered, when you're giving up, what, 17 points a game, you should be winning some games. So, Yeah, I think the defense has been good. Um, you know, I made the comment after Monday's game that if, you know, if you're talking about Joe Barry, that that's like the 384th highest problem currently with the Packers game on Monday night. Uh, yeah. You know, like you mentioned, the reality is the Raiders are not a good defense. And if you take away Watson's 77-yard play, the Packers had 105 passing yards. Um, I don't care if you're young. I don't care if you're inexperienced, all that stuff. That's just not a number that is going to be acceptable in an era where it is easier to throw the football than it ever has been. Uh, and, you know, one of the – I have a couple things. Uh, number one, I, I do want to say first and foremost, I'm not burying Jordan Love, and I don't like to be painted necessarily as a Jordan Love quote-unquote hater, like Jacob Morley will say that I am. But I think a skeptic is a is a fair I've critique got on that. I've got That's fine. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> I think skeptic is a is a fair point. You know the the problem that I'm running into is it sure sounds like a lot of Packer fans are making the same excuses for love that they were making fun of Chicago fans for bringing up about Justin Fields, and you know the advanced numbers right now don't really fit in Jordan Love's favor. Uh, and again, not I'm not burying the guy. He's played five games. There's 12 more to play. His best receiver has played one full game and 12 snaps or whatever the hell it was Watson played against Detroit. His best running back has not played, his only running back, quite frankly, has not played at all. His Hall of Fame left tackle played one game and will not play again this year and maybe ever again. Who knows about that? I mean, that's that's all conversations need to come into place. I also think it's easier for us as fans to just sit and say, yeah, there's going to be growing pains. There's going to be ups and downs. And it's easy to say that without sitting through the downs. You know, and I don't think, you know, the Packers have been good largely for, what, 30 years. Not a whole lot of downs. There's not, and even throughout the course of a season, not a whole lot of downs. Like, it's just not something that we're used to, to looking at or anything like that. So I'm just interested to see, you know, how they rebound because if they're if they can't move the ball and score against the Denver Broncos, who are like historically bad based on almost any defensive metric that you like to look at. Awful. If they can't do it against them, I don't know who they're going to do it against. And and that's a problem if that is in fact the case now again young inexperienced first time starting quarterback all of that stuff sure um there's also a few realities you know they haven't they haven't broken 250 yards passing in a game once this year they've scored six points in the first half in the last three games uh they scored 13 points against a raiders team that was playing with practice squad defensive backs on monday night like there are things to legitimately be concerned about with this offense at this point and that is why we are here to fix it, and I'm going to start with uh, the the professional athlete in the room. Trey, if I told you this is what we got to start with, this is the bread and butter for how we are going to fix the Green Bay Packers, where does that run for you? And you can kind of take that any way you want. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, Packer fans? It is time that you make Little Caesars, which is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day routine. If you guys know anything about me whatsoever, you know that I love pizza, that every time the Packers win, I have a victory pizza. And what you should also know is that victory pizza is from Little Caesars. I This is no joke. Little Caesars, by far and away, my favorite pizza. What you can do is you can order online during their Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday. And then you can get ready for football and fun Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza, pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. For me, I have the same order every single time. I'm going with their hot and ready pizza, pepperoni, no questions about it. And more importantly than anything else, always, 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 always get the crazy bread. It is, in my opinion, the best food that you can get on the market. I'm not joking. I love Crazy Bread, love, love, love Crazy Bread. Get it every single time. You win when you get Crazy Bread. And speaking of winning, Literally everyone scores with convenient delivery or their in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends, enjoy a few slices during the game, and always get your victory pizza from Little Caesars. You won't regret it. Pizza, pizza. I don't know about you guys, but fall is the absolute busiest time of year for me. Besides the obvious craziness of football season, it's also back to school, soccer season for the kids, and just a never-ending stream of things to do on the to-do list. And that busyness makes it extremely difficult for me to get wholesome, healthy meals. And far too often, I'm settling for less nutritious alternatives. If you're feeling that busyness like I am, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for those jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. If you're looking for calorie-conscious options during the busy season, try their delicious, dietitian approved calorie-smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. This October, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered straight to your door. Ready in just two minutes, no prep, no mess. Guys, my family and I have been eating these meals and they are incredibly, incredibly good. Dead serious, you're going to enjoy them. Head to factormeals.com slash packaday50 and use code packaday50 to get 50% off. That's code packaday50 at factormeals.com slash packaday50 to get 50% off. Yeah, um, I think, you know, just looking at it from this offensively because that's that's where most of the issues reside right now. It starts up front. Um, you know, you say you didn't really know what the game plan was in terms of the skill position and, and what you left Jordan to work with uh, just in terms of the youth and things like that. Um, unfortunately, the, the offensive line feels like you're kind of in the same boat. Like, you know, they had to know what was going on with Bakhtiari coming into the season. And if so, then what was your insurance plan? Was it was it Yosh Nyman? Why, why hasn't he played, um, you know, did you really have that much faith in in Walker? Um, and where does that faith ne- – like, where do you sit with that now? Um, just because, to be honest, when you look at the O-line, that's the, 
that's the easiest way to to help settle in a young quarterback uh, in, in two ways. One, protecting him and giving him time to to make those reads. If the first guy isn't open and you don't have time to get to the second guy, well, what does it lead to? Sacks, picks, pressures, problems for your quarterback who's who's still trying to grow. Second, um, you know, get the running game going. That's that's what you need when you're struggling, you know, as, as a young quarterback and you can't really get your feet wet. Um, and we just haven't been able to do that. Uh, you know, part of that, Aaron Jones has been been hurt the whole time. AJ has has struggled to be effective um, when given the carries. Really, I mean, he was able to get some things done in the Raiders game that really were the reason that they were able to to be as close as they were. Um, but it just does, it, it leaves you desiring more up front, and I feel like a, you know part of that just does reside with the O line. Um, you know, just historically, Green Bay like you never hear Green Bay has O line problems. Um, you know, even. Just dating back forever. They draft well at, at, at offensive line and they develop them. And then they're all, you know, all pro pro bowlers play there for six to 10 years and then they retire or they go somewhere else and get paid a bunch of money. That's just how it works. Um, and it doesn't feel like they're anywhere near that right now with this current O line. Feel like you just have more question marks than anything. Um, so, like, where, where do they go from here? Do you, you know, do you shuffle the lineup around? Because obviously the, the way they've had it right now isn't working. I'd like to see at least Yosh get a shot somewhere. Um, it felt like he was serviceable last year when Bakhtiari was going through the the plan one week, out three weeks, playing another week, out another four. Um, I'd like to see him play. They they paid him enough money that he should be on the field somewhere. Does that mean you move Tom to one of those interior spots where you know they said they felt comfortable with him as well, and then you you, know, you remove one of those guys in the inside who you haven't heard much from in terms of, you know, making it and making a positive impact. Uh, if anything, it's been more blooper reels from some of those guys than highlights. Uh, and that's, that's not what you want from your offensive line. Normally the best offensive line is the one that you don't have to talk about at all. Um, so that's, that's where things fall for me right now. Like if, if there's one thing that you could address and then you say, Hey, everything else, give it a chance to sort itself out. That's where, that's where I'd attack first. Right. And it might be the only place that they really can do anything different right now. Like you can't get new receivers. You dang sure can't get a new quarterback. And I mean, it sounded like they tried to get a running back with Jonathan Taylor and and obviously that didn't pan out. Uh, So all you're left with is the offensive line. Yeah. And I'm curious to see if they make any changes coming out of the bye, kind of like you mentioned again, Yosh Nyman, it's crazy. This is a guy who, Started at left tackle for them on a 13 and three season. Like they trusted him to protect the blind side of the league MVP. Mm-hmm. Now they don't trust him to play at all with a group that is, I think, struggling is a fair term. Um, you know, like you mentioned, the guys on the interior, it's been a struggle. Rashid Walker is, is mm-hmm. going to have his ups and downs just to continue with that theme, but he's a former, you know, seventh round pick that is playing left tackle in the NFL on a week to week basis. And they're asking him to block Max Crosby. Like that's hard. Mm -hmm. And, and I think something that Packer fans in general kind of take for granted, there's a couple things because our, our buddy Ross Uggum is right. I don't think the Packers understand or the fans understand like what a functional offensive lineman looks like, but at the same time, I think they also, you know, like most teams fan bases do, I think we overrate our own guys. Like the thought was, after the preseason, it was, well, they could have just traded Bakhtiari and gotten picks for him, and Rasheed Walker could fill in just fine. And it's like, well, now you're kind of seeing why they didn't do that and yeah. why, you know, my general take for, for the team moving forward 
is that, you know, you have two offensive linemen on this roster right now that I think you feel confident about penciling in as a starter in 2024. And that's Jenkins and Tom, and that could be left guard and center. That could be left guard and right tackle. It just kind of remains to be seen what they want to do with Zach, Tom, and a lot to go on moving forward. But I don't know, you know, like you said, you can, you can change some things on the offensive line, but I would also like to see some continuity. One of my criticisms of the current staff is that they have pissed in the face of playing the same guys in the same positions, like in the middle of games. I remember they moved Elton Jenkins from right tackle to left guard after an injury. And then they moved something like they would just change positions all the time. And again, I played at a much, 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 much smaller level, but I can tell you that I did play better when I knew who the guys were that were next to me and what they were going to do, things of that nature. And I've heard most offensive linemen that I've spoken to, Say something similar. Now, the best offensive line the Packers have had, and the, the two, well, there's two of them, the 2020 group, which was Bakhtiari Jenkins, Lindsley, Lucas Patrick, and Billy Turner. And those guys, most of them played 16 games. And then famously, that 2014 group with Bakhtiari, Sitton, and Lang, uh, Corey Lindsley as a rookie, and Brian Balaga, all of those guys played 15 or more games. The only one who missed one was Balaga, and that was in week two. So when you can play those guys together and let them gel like that, that helps with a lot of different things. Stenovich said today that they have a an emphasis on combo blocking, which is you know stuff to kind of get the run game moving and stuff like that. Because backers, I think in back to back years now, we have seen a still shot of Packer players blocking a Packer player, like offensive linemen engaged in form up with themselves. And that's, that's problematic for, well, for I want to say too, we dog on the offensive line and I think rightfully so. And I, if they come out after the bye week and move Tom to center and they've got, you know, Yash and, and Rashid at their tackles, like that wouldn't surprise me, but I think another really underrated aspect of why this offensive line is struggling is their young tight ends have been inconsistent at best when asked to uh, do anything <laughs> in pass pro. Uh, and oddly enough, Run Musgrave, Musgrave has been their best blocker, which was supposed to be the knock on him coming out of Oregon state is all oh, this guy can't block. And Kraft was supposed to be the guy that could block. And he has struggled. He really has. And I think you get spoiled. You've, we've been spoiled in the past having Mercedes Lewis here as essentially that extra tackle at tight end, which by the way, he was just sitting there wanting to come back. Actually, I don't know. I don't know if he wanted to come back or not. I I have no sources on that, but he was just sitting there. I mean, he signed in Chicago, a team that was not. And he, he's so glowingly of Matt LaFleur and wanting to play for him. I would imagine if they would have made him a reasonable offer, he'd be in green Bay right now, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but you saw, like, you know, a great example of that is we talk about the blooper reels. And, like, there's one of the John Runyon Jr., like, literally stuffing A.J. Dillon in a huge-ass gap. That was actually blocked well for the most part for what was intended. But they had – I don't – I think it was Kraft. They had him scraping across the line of scrimmage, and he was supposed to um, basically just chip block Max Crosby, and that went about as expected. And – at a certain point, you have to stop asking these guys and putting these guys in spots like that. And that's what I want to see out of the bye week is can they can they self-scout and can they make the proper adjustments? Because right now, either the tight ends need to be better or they need to stop putting them in those spots. Um, well, so, stack, that's kind of the chicken or the egg argument, right? Yeah. Because Well, that's the whole that's, thing. Yeah. Well, not even just with what like the route you're going is. It's 
this season, we've heard it a thousand times. Brian Gutekunst will never, ever, 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 ever say this word explicitly, but he has made quotes about growing pains and needing to get better and creating opportunities and, and all that good stuff. The Packers knew, know that they are not contending in 2023. Mm-hmm. And I think I, it's just a matter of how far does that extend? Like, obviously, the players don't go in each week saying, like, oh, cool, if we lose, like, it's fine. We're just really trying to build for, for 2024. That's not how players are wired. That's not how they work. But do the coaches say, like, hey, we need to run this play and we need to be able to run this play? This is a core concept of the offense. Stuff like that, I don't know. Um, you know, in general, like right. I said, I think the and coaches are mostly wired to win. That's, this that's the case. Well for the entire offense, right? Because you can talk about, well, what about some quick passing game? Why can't they, you know, Jordan Love holds the ball. His time to throw is 2.81, which is 16th in the NFL right now of quarterbacks with like 100 dropbacks. Like, that's not very good. That's pretty slow to get the ball out of your hand. And either that's on Jordan or either that's because um, guys aren't getting open. Maybe it's the concept. Maybe it's, I don't know, but it's not a great combination when your offensive line is struggling to block. And one thing that can make that offensive line look a lot better blocking is if you have a quarterback that's being decisive and hitting open receivers and guys that are winning early. And I don't know who those guys are right now. Um, I think, I, I, like I said, I think getting Christian back, like that is your number one primary read. I think that guy can win early and that needs to be, where's nine? Is he open? No get to my second read if he's not open i'm probably screwed because that's just kind of where we're at right now but like even with the the young wide receivers like if you want to put them in you know like these bunch formations like stack it three by one and you know that's all fine and dandy but it's like okay if my number one receiver is running a fade my number two is running a six yard hitch and my number three is running a three yard you know a a three-step slant like that's cool when but if my number two is running the hitch at seven yards like, okay, now that bunch formation is effed. Like, that is that is how precise they need to be on offense at this level. And I just think with all these young receivers, like, the attention to detail just isn't there yet. And that's really no one's fault. They're young. Like, that's, that's kind of what you would expect from these young-type receivers. And so the guy that's out there that, in my opinion, knows what's going on is the quarterback. Like you, I, I'm pretty like one thing I've been impressed with Jordan is he's putting the ball where it should be. And some of the accuracy stuff, yes, is on him when you can say he missed that throw. But some of the stuff like in the weeds is no, he actually sometimes put that ball where it was supposed to be. It was the receiver was supposed to get to seven yards and he was at eight like that looks that looks bad. It looks like the quarterback made a bad throw. And so, like, it's a combination of all those things right now. And that's because they literally have children out there playing on offense in, in, a, in the men's league, you know, against grown men that have been in this league for a long time and they know exactly what's in front of them. They know how to win games. They know how to win reps consistently. And that's the learning process of this young offense is, yes, there are issues. Yes, I think next season we will see guys on this team that are hopefully upgrades. But also we're at a point where it's like, Help's not on the way. Help is not on the way. Like you have to find out, you got to figure out how to be your own hero here and figure out how to save the day yourself because that guy's not coming through with a cape. And the only way you're going to fix it is by looking at yourself in the mirror and understanding, yeah, I, I am a rookie. I am a second year player. I'm this or that, but my play has to be elevated. So what am I doing throughout the week? You know, what, what does my preparation look like? Because, as of right now, 
it's not up to the standard. And again, I keep saying this, it's not really the young guys' fault because you come in the league, you don't really know what the standard is. You know what the standard is to be a productive player on Saturdays. It's a different league on Sundays. You know, you can be like like Jaden Reed, for example. Like he he was out athleting people at Michigan State because he's a phenomenal athlete. You can do that stuff. He was, you know, he kind of had the he's he had the dog mentality as as a smaller receiver, being able to go up and, and catch passes and kind of make catches in those contested situations. I think he can still do that in the NFL, but not to the same extent. Like you got to be able to separate consistently. So you know, all this stuff, like you can go into it with scheme and you can go into the players. And I know the, and and we're going to do this long podcast about fixing the Packers and say like, this is the problem, but the problem is, is everything like it. And is Matt LaFleur the problem? Yeah. Matt LaFleur is also the answer. Is Jordan Love the problem? Yeah. He's also the answer. And they need to figure out how to get to that answer because those guys are all talented enough. Matt LaFleur is smart enough. These receivers are talented enough to be the solution to the problem. And finding that recipe is not easy, and it's not going to be easy, and it's probably going to take the entire season, right? Judge these guys down the stretch. Judge these guys down the stretch. And like I think that is the entire evaluation that you want to make on this team this year. Trey, we talked about getting down the stretch and, and fixing some stuff. And how do you find this? You know, what what is your confidence level at that these guys will be able to to find their way? And like, you know, right now, they're it kind of depends on the metrics and stuff like that that you look at. But I mean, it's hard to say that they are an average NFL offense. I know the optimists like to talk about how the Packers have done in the third quarters and all that good stuff. And yeah, it all counts. I understand all that, but. You know, what is your confidence level that they'll find functionality and some semblance of consistency between now and, you know, the end of January or beginning of January? You know, I think the the biggest thing that I could hang my hat on for, for them is that there is a chance to see what they look like with their best guys healthy because um, we haven't been able to yet. Um, now there's also a chance that that doesn't happen. That's just the reality of, of football. Like you, you just never know. Um, but if and if and when they are able to keep guys healthy and find some form of continuity, not just on the O line, but uh, top to bottom on your on your offense, uh, get Jordan his looks with his best guys in the spots that he knows they're going to be in, um, and you see that over and over again. That that gives you the opportunity to really show what your what your what your capabilities are. Um, what does Christian look like with? Legitimate number one targets, you know, consistently running, running those kind of routes in the offense. What does the, you know, the running game look like with Aaron Jones in there and being able to have that passing threat out of the backfield? That's that security blanket for for Aaron. If if Luke can stay healthy, what does it look like when he's finally able to connect those passes over, you know, deep over the middle of the field, running the shallows, having having a mismatch against linebackers? Um that's that's really the key is if they're able to do that, I think you you do feel a lot better about what they can do. Um, they should be as, as bad as well, not as bad, but as crazy as it seems to see their their age and the, the youth on offense and the just inexperience from top to bottom. There is a ton of potential there. So that's that's where all the hope resides. Right. Is is what if they do put it together and have some semblance of continuity? Um they could end up looking looking pretty dang good, especially in a division where outside of the Lions, 
no one else is looking good at all. Um, Bears, they, they might just be looking for the, the first and second pick. The Vikings, who who knows what they got going on? Uh, they're they're in shambles right now compared to where they were this time last season. So, um, all things considered, the situation would be a lot worse. Uh, so it's just you know, can they put it together? That's it's just as much of a question as it is having having faith in them being able to do it. Um, but there's there's some optimism there. I'm not gonna say there's a lot. Maybe like six out of ten, something like that. Just you know. Class just over half full. That's that's where I put put on that I'm at right now. I will say this: I like the way that that Morley worded it. That there is a problem within you know the coaching staff and figuring some things out. But I also think that you know the the answer resides in the head coach as well. Um, you know, for all the flat, and this is just how it works, right? You know, whenever fans in general, analysts, pundits, 24-hour news cycle, we just always assume there's something within the control of the team we're talking about that could have changed things. You know, and the other team is capable as they play professional football and are paid to do so as well. But with LaFleur, I still think LaFleur is a good coach. And, and I think that that matters in this situation to kind of weather this storm. And we've seen them weather a storm under LaFleur in the past. You know, last year, with, I mean, let's let's just call it what it is, guys. There were questions as to whether that quarterback wanted to be there, and they're three and six, and then they're four and eight. It is very easy to lose the locker room when you have issues of that sort, and he didn't. Not only did he not lose the locker room, they thrived, and they got within one game of going to the playoffs. And I know that the standard is not to go to the playoffs in Green Bay, but that is an accomplishment considering where they were. And now, as bad as things have been. For the last, you know, three games really, and and I do think you can count the New Orleans game because the comeback was great, but it really was one good quarter out of four, and that's something mm-hmm. that's just, you're just not going to win a lot of football games if you play one good quarter. Again, not going to take it away from them; they don't take wins away in the NFL, and you don't have to apologize for them. But Green Bay, they have not played consecutive good quarters of football since Atlanta. And that was a long time ago. You know, at this point, that was that's an eternity in football. So the Packers, it's trying to figure those things out. Uh, it's starting with, you know, and again, I think it starts with the offense. This is an offense-driven league. And the defense, quite frankly, has been, you know, good enough, in, in my opinion. And I know they got gashed against Atlanta, and I know they got gashed against Detroit. Those things are just going to happen, guys. It's the way this team is built. And I know that people don't like those answers, but – the Packers are built to stop the pass, and they just they don't show up for street fights like that. That's just how it's been, and until that changes, then I don't know how that how that's going to get fixed. So that's beside the point. The issues on this team, I think, are far outweighed in favor of the offense as opposed to the defense, and specifically the, the defensive coordinator, who is everybody's favorite punching bag, especially on the internet throughout the course of the game. And that's where I think you got to find consistency. And I think that starts with the head coach. I think that starts with the quarterback. And and since Morley's going to yell at me, I think that starts with the guys up front blocking for him as well, because I've never seen a quarterback complete a pass on his back. And I think LaFleur said something to that effect a long time. And I got a good friend who told me the easiest way to ruin a young quarterback is get him hit. And if you can look at examples of quarterbacks that have succeeded, I bet you can look at their numbers of pressures and everything like that. And I bet the ones that have failed Justin Fields, David Carr, if you want to go that far back. Just, I mean, there are guys. They got hit, and they got hit a lot. Guys who have thrived, Patrick Mahomes, didn't really get hit a whole hell of a lot until, you know, he got into his career. 
Josh Allen did, but that's his style of play. You know, like there's there are examples of guys that haven't been hit. Morley, close us out here. I know you had something. Yeah, you wanted to I just I'm not. I, I'm gonna, I want to preface this. I'm not just saying this because his brother is on the screen right now. But <laughs> liar. Some of the some of the no some of the stuff that was being talked about with Christian after last week's game was just just patently absurd. The guy's been back for essentially four quarters. One game. And if that was if if 90 some yards receiving is a bad game for him, holy crap, we're spoiled. Right. And the contested catch stuff. Oh, can't make a contested catch. Oh, can't run routes. Oh, can't get in the end zone. Whatever it was. Oh, he's not George Pickens. Let just here are some stats. And we talk about, you know, help help not being on the way because it's already on the team. And integrate this guy into the offense because last year, so wide receivers with 60 plus targets last season. And mind you, that's a lot. There were 98 guys that's tight ends included. So take those out. There were 67 wide receivers with 60 plus targets in the NFL last year. Christian Watson contested catch rating 75% first in the NFL yards after catch per reception last season, 6.3 third in the NFL. His average depth of target last year was 14.3, which is sixth in the NFL. His yards per route run was 2.26, 11th in in the NFL. And maybe the most important one and probably the most helpful thing for a young receiver, his QB rating when targeted, 123.3, first in the NFL. So miss me with the you know, we we whiffed on this pick. He's this or that. He's not George Pickens is the one that you hear a lot. Let this guy get integrated back into the offense and watch Jordan Love's life get a lot easier because um, we don't need to be prisoners of the moment. Like Christian, by his own admittance, talked about how, yeah, I wish I would have been able to make a play a couple times on some of those balls. Yeah, sure. We all w- sure. Yeah, we saw it. But. The fact that people are jumping off the ship after one week is ridiculous. I mean, this guy's one of the the, the most talented young receivers in the National Football League. Um, and I think if there is help that's on the way and it's on the roster, it's its number is nine. And get that guy the ball. Um, the stuff about him, too, like not being able to – like he's not he's not a good route runner. He's not a like Trey and I talked about this last week. Is he the most nuanced of out, of route runners right now? No, but he can win early. He can win short. He can win intermediate. He can win deep. And I think once uh, once you know they start targeting him six, seven, eight times a game, I think we're going to see this passing offense um, really start to take off, and it's going to make life easier for the rest of the receivers as well. Um, that can kind of um, kind of swim in that wake. Uh, you know, to for lack of a better term. And Dorf, you hit the nail on the head, though. they got to be able to block. They do have to be able to block first. But um, that just rubbed me the wrong way after that, especially with the people that would say stuff like, oh, we haven't seen it. We just haven't seen it yet from Christian. The hell you have. Yes, you have. We've seen it. We've seen it plenty. So um, it's there. Uh, it's only going to go up from here. Uh, getting that bye week in for him, helping him get kind of reintegrated into this offense, I think things are going to only be looking up. On that note, I think what I can say is best is there is nothing that the internet will jump to faster, especially football Twitter, than confirming a prior uh, of what they thought. So if I thought this during pre-draft, then I'm definitely going to use any example that I can 
to try and prove myself right of something like that. Or Trey, I think you said something like this before we started talking, like they read a pre-draft report and then see one play that like supports that claim. And, and that's how it is. Now the reality is uh, I think Christian said it best post game. You know, he said my number was called too many times for me to make the number of plays that I did. And that's true, but that's true of the entire offense. And, and I think that what we're seeing is guys need to find ways to create separation and be in the right spots. And then when they do, they need to make the plays on the ball. And that's on, that's on everybody. That's not just a specific receiver on anything like that. Not only that, if there's anything I've learned and noticed is when, you know, one of the first things you do in a big spot is not positive or positive, uh, that stays with you for a while. And then not positive ones tend to stay with you for longer. So Watson dropping the first target of his career, that's just going to stick with him until, you know, he has a couple thousand yard seasons back to back. There were still people in 2020 calling Devante drop Vante rock hands or whatever ridiculous monikers that came about Devante Adams when it was pretty much established, he was the best receiver in the NFL. Like that's just how it is. Uh, that's the way that it, that it's going to be until, until further notice. And, and you know, it really helps things get going in a positive direction is if the team starts winning. So uh, real quick guys, we got a couple minutes left. Trey, I'll let you start uh, who wins on Sunday and why. Uh, that is a very good question. Um, I mean, in, in reality, you can't lose. I feel like, um, there's just no, no, you can, I mean, we really can't justify the Raiders loss is pretty bad uh, on paper, but this one right now, the way things are going fresh off of a bye week fresh off of not showing up in a, in a primetime game that you had a good amount of time to prepare for. And as of right now, you're going to have all your guys back potentially have Eric Stokes, another hopefully useful weapon in the secondary back. You can't lose to the Broncos. Um, that's just the truth of the matter. Uh, you got to find a way they have, you want to talk about, you know, the, the, the Packers not having much going for them offensively. Uh, if, then Denver has less than nothing They're as of so right now bad. on, on either, on either side of the ball. Um, so you got to take advantage. You you have to come out, and this is a perfect time to get Jordan confidence, get the offensive line confidence, get your weapons, uh, you know, on offense, get them going, get get the DBs making a couple plays, get Rasul and Jair back talking after they've made some plays, and not just you know talking just because that's just who they are. Um, you know, you, you you put all that together, and you and you get your confidence back, and then all of a sudden, um. There's a lot less complaining, and the locker room feels a lot better moving forward. Yeah, I think, like you said, the Raiders are not good. The Broncos, the Packers may not be very good. The Broncos are worse. I, I Having watched them play, I don't know what it is they're good at. Uh, I know that, I mean, they were, they were down 28-7 against Chicago. And, again, credit for coming back and, and winning the game. But I think we figured out that Chicago is not very good. And and that is their only win of the season, if memory serves. So that is also not positive for for the Denver Broncos. Uh, it's it's all bad right now, and it's hilarious as somebody who doesn't have many good things to say about Sean Payton, which is me. Um, <laughs> but again, if if uh, if you're not going to get if the offense isn't going to get going this week, and I know they'll still have the inconsistencies and all that stuff, that's just going to happen, no matter who they play. But there is no reason they should not be able to score 
27 points against a bad Broncos. The Broncos give up like 180 yards rushing a game. It's incredible how bad they are against opposing run games. And they should have Aaron Jones back. He practiced today. Russell Wilson is prone to being pressured. And when he's pressured, he's prone to making mistakes. This just feels like a game, like you said, Trey. I think Green Bay should win, and I think they will win. Um, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give you guys a final score because I sincerely don't know what to guess how many points this team is capable of scoring on a week to week basis. I thought last week they'd be able to hit, like they they scored f- almost 40 in a game this season, and they scored 13 last week. So we've seen like both ends of that spectrum. Uh, but that's where I think Green Bay wins, and if they don't. Man, I don't know, like, where do you find a win going down the schedule? So that's that's the part where it gets a little daunting and a little terrifying. But Morley, you're not going to pick the Broncos, are you? Packers 28-10. to 10. Jordan Love tosses three touchdowns, two to Christian, one to Romeo. Aaron Jones runs one in. And that's how it's going to be because I don't want to think about how dark it is if they lose. And we'll be talking Fair. about Jordan Love's track back to the Hall of Fame after a game like that. <laughs> yep next week but we're out of time guys thank you guys for tuning in and listening check us out on x twitter whatever you call it at pack a day podcast you can follow morley he's at jacob morley you can follow trey he's at md underscore right yeah que33 i never remember where the underscore is at (laughs) yeah me me either md underscore que33 you follow me i'm at Jacob Westdorf. It'll just be these two knuckleheads next Monday. I will be in Denver covering the Packers against the Broncos, so I'll be on my way back next week from that particular game. But we're out of time. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.